Well, it's good for us to be in worship here together this morning, uh, both in here in the West Auditorium, the East Auditorium, as well as in uh, Lovington. And if you're newer with us in any of those locations, uh, my name is Brian, one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of bringing you God's Word today from John chapter 14. So I'd invite you to turn there uh, in your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can find one in the pew rack in front of you here in the West, or in in the East Auditorium, there's some folks walking around with some, and then in Lovington, there's some in the pew racks too. And um, as you turn there, what uh, we're doing in this series of Tell Me More is really the accumulation of four years of ministry work with more than 30 churches uh, in our community where you could say the leading edge of what we've been doing together is really primarily to do something together. That regardless of the topic or the subjects that we're looking at in the series uh, with the preaching and the small groups that the first thing we wanted to be able to put forth uh, to those maybe outside of the church in our community was just uh, the power of a unified effort of solidarity of what the church is doing to move forward God's kingdom in our community. And so with the yard signs and everything, that's all an effort to to show that we can do that in a unified front. But then from there, the content has focused over the last several years on trying to answer questions that we experience people outside of the church seem to have about what's taking place, about what we believe inside the church, if you will. And so we've taken on, uh, you know, difficult topics, things like, you know, just the existence of God or why, if God is so good, is there evil present in our world Uh, or even kind of like what happens after you die? These, you know, not small things to take on. And so um, those questions are not insignificant, but what we've discerned this year is that rather than, you could say, start with secondary questions that we believe all lead to a primary answer in God, uh, this year we discerned that we were going to go, as the preachers gathered, you could say, starting with the answer of God and who God is will then, as a result of whatever questions anyone might have, eventually bring you back to that one true answer of who God is. It's kind of like we're going Jeopardy style, if you will, like what Alex Trebek has done for the last 147 years, uh, has stated the, the answer is, and then the contestants have to then, you know, respond and formulate the question that comes to that answer. And so, That's what we're aiming to do in Tell Me More this year, is to start with the answer, to start with who is God, recognizing that we can always reverse engineer that into any meaningful question that we have about this life or the next. And so that's what we're looking to do as we dive into this series, to understand who God is. And as the preachers were planning what to communicate in each of these sermons, there was a quote Uh, you could say, that captured the imagination of those of us working on these sermons together. And it's a quote that we've actually used here before, but it's very fitting for uh, this Tell Me More series this year. It's a quote by A.W. Tozer. It goes like this. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind, Tozer argues, is the most, what comes into your mind when you think about God and who God is, is the most important thing about you. 
And if it's true that all other questions then circle back on that answer, then it would say that that one answer is going to be the discerning factor in how we respond to any question that we might face or take on. And so it's an important question. Um, What do you think about God? What are your thoughts? What uh, comes to mind when you think about who God is and what are your thoughts on that? It's 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 an important question and arguably the most important question. For those of you under the age of 20, um, they had these things uh, that are like these metallic Frisbee-like deals that people in the late 1900s used to listen to music uh, on called uh, compact discs or CDs for short. And uh, people would, uh, maybe if you grew up in that era, you might recall listening to uh, 90s alternative rock on one of these compact discs and uh, might recall the uh, one-hit wonder band Dishwalla as they put the, uh, these words to the question of who God is. Uh, see if this sounds familiar. He said, tell me Okay, I saw, actually, probably this service takes the record as far as most heads nodding to this song. So there were some compact disc players in your day. That's good. So yeah, and and, and if you're not familiar with it, I mean, the the lyrics kind of speak for themselves. You know, tell me all your thoughts on God, and then tell me... Am I very far? Meaning, am I very far off in my thoughts on who God is? Am I, am I getting close? And so what that song you could say is asking and what the Tell Me More series wants to do is you could say, close the gap. Close the gap between our thoughts and our opinions on God and close the gap with who God actually is uh, in actuality. And we're very fortunate, you could say, that we have a God who, when it comes to that question, who are you, God? We have a God who has chosen to be a God who reveals who he is. Uh, And he has done so primarily through his word to us. And so we discover who God is primarily in God's word to us, the Bible. And what we discover in the Bible is that God is one God, that there is only one God, that there is only one God, the God of the Bible, who then manifests himself in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Uh, or what uh, sometimes is referred to as the Trinity, or the triune God of the Bible. And so as we look at the triune God of the Bible, we're going to focus this week on uh, God the Father, then next week, God the Son, and then the last week of the series, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, what this, I guess, in all fairness, this is not going to be, uh, it's not going to be a comprehensive, systematic theology seminary course on the nature and theology of the Trinity. Uh, We will take a few bites of that theological elephant, but uh, we're not aiming to eat the entire elephant. That would be outside of the scope of what we're trying to do. And frankly, it's really outside of the scope of what Scripture calls us to. I don't think the goal is to fully understand, uh, as we heard in the choir song in this room and in the song in the East Auditorium, the wondrous mystery of who our God is. It's not meant to be completely figured out. More so, as we know about God, that we might, as a result, as Pastor Wayne said last week, the goal is not just to know about God, but that what we know about God would then move us to know God. That the goal of knowing about God is simply to move us closer to knowing God more. And so today, 
We're gonna do that by understanding how God has chosen to relate to us through God the Father. And as we move into that, really, and you think about this idea of the Trinity and the mystery of that and how that all works, one, if I had to give one theological statement that is a powerful truth about who God is as expressed in the Trinity, it would be this, that the Trinity, the triune God of the Bible, is a powerful demonstration of God demonstrating a perfect relationship within his very nature. That we see in the nature of how God relates to himself in the mystery of the Trinity, we see this perfect relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as a model for how we then can understand, from a perfect example, how we then can relate to God ourselves. And frankly, from there, how we are to relate to one another as exemplified in a perfect relationship in the triune God. Um, And so, Really, it's the words, actually, frankly, that Jesus used when he was asked, you know, what's uh, the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment is to relate to God correctly, to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it, to love one another as yourself. And so, as we press into who God is uh, and to formulate an accurate thought, you could say, of who we're supposed to be thinking about when we think about God as displayed in the scriptures, uh, another quote from Tozer in that same regard in a book that he wrote uh, on the Trinity, he starts off uh, in the introduction with this, which I think is an appropriate introduction for diving into this for us today. Tozer poses it this way, he says, are you contented with nominal Christianity? Well, if you are, I have nothing for you. Are you contented with popular Christianity that runs on the authority and popularity of big shots? Well, if you are, I have nothing for you. Are you content with elementary Christianity? Well, if you are, all I have for you, or all I've got for you is to exhort you earnestly to press on toward perfection, to keep going. But, he says, if you are not satisfied with nominal Christianity, popular Christianity, and the first beginnings of things, and you want to know the triune God for yourself, well then read on, he says. And so for us to that end, we, we press on or we preach on as we discover who God has revealed himself to be to us that we might know how to relate to him better. And so today, as we step into examining God the Father, I know that even at the front end of that conversation, I have sat across a table from enough of you to know that when it comes to the challenges faced, the brokenness experienced, uh, the disappointments that have accumulated with the relationship with your earthly father, that to the what do I think about when I think about God question, that the last thing on your mind is anything to have to do with a father. And yet, on the other spectrum, we have those of you who would say, well, I didn't have a perfect dad. I mean, he was a good dad, but he wasn't perfect, and so you maybe have a a good image of what that could be, and I would suspect everything in between on that continuum. Well, the good news for all of us, wherever you find yourself in your earthly relationship, uh, whether the worst of the worst or as best as you feel like it could be, and everything in between, the good news is that we have all of us, a response to who God in heaven, a perfect father, is supposed to be, is to be in our lives where no earthly dad on any part of that continuum could ever meet. We all have in our heavenly father a perfect father. 
And as we dive into understanding the perfection of who God is and what he wants to be in your life, the way we can understand that is through that triune relationship between the Father and the Son. That what we see in Jesus Christ is an example of a perfect relationship with his heavenly Father. And so what we're going to do for the remainder of our time is actually look at the words of Jesus. You could say the red letters in your Bible, if you have one of those Bibles fancy enough that has all of Jesus' words in red, uh, to um, explain and to share and to reveal his relationship to God the Father so that we might have as a model his relationship with God so that we might know how to relate to God the Father ourselves. And so the first understanding that we see in Jesus as he relates to God and he encourages us, uh, we'll find today in uh, in Matthew, there's uh, the Sermon on the Mount, chapters five through seven. Jesus preaches essentially what it means for us to trust God the Father in this life. He shows and explains all the ways in which we can trust God the Father in this life. And he preaches in there essentially that the warning against trusting in relationships and the resources of this world versus trusting in the relationship with God the Father. He says, essentially, if you misplace your trust in the resources and the relationships in this world at the exception of God the Father, you will miss out. It says, he actually goes on to say, you can't have it both ways. You can't trust both the things of this world and God. He says, you will either serve one and hate the other. You will love one and hate the other. You can't have it both ways. You cannot serve two masters, he will say. And so Jesus, making the case for you to place your trust, for me to place my trust in their heavenly Father, says it this way. It'll be on the screens. It says, therefore, I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? In other words, don't put your trust in these earthly concerns. Why? Well, he goes on. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And he goes on. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable than they? And so as we see as the birds are taken care of, how much more does our Heavenly Father want to care for you and take care of me, take care of us? Jesus, later in the Sermon on the Mount, he illustrates the goodness of God the Father by contrasting it against the ability of even, frankly, not so great earthly dads to get some of the basics right. Uh, Jesus illustrates it this way. He says, which of you, if your son asks for a, uh, a bread, gives him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Basically, Jesus was saying, no decent dad, when his son is hungry, is going to, oh, you know, you want some bread? Oh, here's a rock. Or, you know, oh, you want some fish and chips? Here's a snake. It's like, <laughs> no decent dad on the planet uh, is going to do this. Unless, of course, there's some like ancient version of Funniest Home Videos that they used to have. Maybe then they would do something like that. But other than that, no dad is going to, you know, decent dad is going to set out to deceive or do harm to his child. And so Jesus says in light of that, if you then, though you are evil, basically saying, you know, we're all sinful, we all fall short, there are no perfect moms or dads, even though you are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, Jesus says, well then, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? James 1.17 in the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father. And so all of this, it doesn't mean that 
that God the Father is going to answer every prayer in the exact way that you want it answered, but it does mean that the goodness of our Heavenly Father always has your best in mind, that the goodness of God bestowed upon you is always for your ultimate best. And that's true both here on earth as we trust God here on on the planet while we're here, but it also goes beyond that to speak to that we can trust God with life after this life as well, that we can trust God for eternal life. And so we trust God in this life and the next is we see that Jesus turns up the dial on our ability to trust him in John chapter 14 where you've turned to uh, in your Bible there. So if you wanna follow along now, John chapter 14 verse one, uh, Jesus puts it this way. He's saying this to his original disciples um, at a time frankly where things were not good. Jesus is about to go to the cross, they're kind of freaking out about what's gonna happen next and Jesus brings them this comfort. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, will believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And so Jesus, in the midst of this chaotic time, frankly for him, uh, getting ready to go to the cross, turns his attention and puts his disciples first, bringing comfort to them in what they're getting ready to face and gives them this assurance that like, hey, no matter what goes down, no matter what happens in this life, that even should your very life be taken from you, rest assured, there is my heavenly father on the other side of that awaiting you in eternal life. It's this no one can touch you mentality that you can put your trust in God the Father when your faith is in me, Jesus, he is saying, that both in this life and for the next. And so he says, you know the place as to where I am going, both to the Father now and forever. And in this conversation, you know, Jesus hasn't yet died and risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. And so there's still some confusion as to what Jesus means. And so Thomas, one of the disciples in verse five, he responds to Jesus. He says, uh, he kind of raises his hand, Lord, um, we uh, don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Thomas, I don't know what your take is on Thomas. He's been nicknamed throughout the last 2,000 years since Jesus' uh, time that uh, he got this name Doubting Thomas uh, because right before or right after Jesus had risen from the dead, the disciples were like, hey, we've seen Jesus. And Thomas was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not buying it. I'm not believing it until I put my finger in the hole in his hand and until I put my hand in his side where the spirit went in. He says, I will not believe. And so he's got this, this, kind of label of doubting Thomas. And, and right here, we've got some more doubts coming his way. Jesus says, hey, you know the place where I'm going. And G, uh, Thomas is like, uh, not sure that I do. Not sure that I know where you're going. Not sure I understand where you're going. Therefore, how can I know the way to get to the place where I don't know where it is that you are going? And so I want to give Thomas the benefit of the doubt here. You know, Doubting Thomas, that's not in the Bible. Uh, that's, that's a word that he's been given, a phrase, a nickname. And I'm thinking, you know, it's been a rough 2,000 years for Thomas. I think we could do better. I think we could, do, we could throw a bone to Thomas, and I'm thinking, in light of this series, what if we changed it to, tell me more, Thomas. <laughs> tell me more, I mean, it's, it kind of has a little bit better ring to it, if you think about it. I mean, the, the whole like, alliteration thing with the T's, tell me more, Thomas. I, I don't know, I think it could fly. So, tell me more, Thomas. He says, could you tell me 
where it is you're going and the way in which to get to where it is, wherever that is that you are going. Essentially, he's saying the Dishwala lyrics. He's saying, tell me all your thoughts on God and how to get to him and tell me, am I very far? Am I very far off on that? Tell me more, Thomas is saying. Tell me more how to trust God in this life, how to trust God in the next life. Jesus, would you tell me more how I can trust God today, right here, right now, moving forward? And thanks be to Thomas, for asking that question that we get an answer from Jesus as Jesus answers to Thomas and us in verse six. Jesus responds to that question, I am. He says, I am the answer. I am the way to the place where we are going. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, Jesus says, well then you will know my Father as well. From now on, from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. I love those three words, from now on. It means from this day forward, meaning yesterday was one day, tomorrow is another, and from this time on, from now on, by the way made possible through my sacrifice, Jesus is pointing to, you have a way to the Father, both a relationship with him that is led in this life and for all of eternity to which we can all say, 1 John 3, 1, through the power of what Jesus did, giving us relationship to the Father, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, that we can call God Father, and that is what we are. Now for all of us, as we hear these words of scripture, these words of Jesus, that we know and hear that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that we can be called children of God, for all of us, we should have, or we do have, only one of two responses to that reality. It's either, as we hear, God, you've sent your son Jesus as the way and the truth and the life to be able to be a child of God. For many of us today, you can say, amen. That's great. I've placed my faith in this and that's my reality. Amen. It means let it be. May it be true. But for others of us, you might be here today and while you hear that statement that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me, you may not have made that decision, that commitment, that, that step of faith in your life to accept that Jesus is God's one and only son that provides that way to trust in the Father both here and for all of eternity. And to you, it's more of a, uh-oh. It's an uh-oh, you, you don't say amen, you say it's an uh-oh. And I'm thankful that I have that day in my life that I could say, you know, yesterday was an uh-oh, but the day from that day moving forward was an amen. As a 16-year-old kid, I can take you to, in fact, the exact square foot of real estate if you're up for the 15-hour drive to the middle of South Carolina at this podunk Christian camp, where frankly it was like the worst week of my limited 16 years on the planet. It's a terrible week, we won't get into that. But as God does in difficult times, he met me in that place. And it's that moment that I knew and I could affirm and I could understand in ways that I hadn't before that God had sent his son for me to give me the gift of a new life both here and forevermore. And so for the last 21 years, I've been able to say amen and I assume I'll say amen till the day I die to which I cross over into that second point we looked at that I can say eternally amen that I have the gift of a relationship with my heavenly father through what Jesus did for me. Thomas has that opportunity. On the other side of the evidence, he says, he declares in John 20, 28, my Lord and my God. He moves from tell me more doubting Thomas to amen, to my Lord and my God. 
And so the question I have for you today is, are you at an amen or do you recognize here, Lovington, East Auditorium, maybe driving down the road listening to this online, are you at a uh-oh? Are you at an uh-oh? Have you not stepped into that decision? Maybe you've been checking it out, you've been exploring the evidence, you've been hearing more about who God is, but you haven't moved from uh-oh to amen. May I remind you of arguably the most popular verse in all the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And those verses go on for more. It says, for God did not send his son, God the Father did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That was not the goal. But to save the world through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. And so, amen to that. But, We are also warned in the words of Jesus of the uh uh-oh, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And so for you today, if you are at an uh uh-oh, or maybe you're just like a eh, whatever, that is still an uh uh-oh. That is still an uh uh-oh because you have not placed your faith in the God's one and only son. And so if you're sitting here in this little square foot of real estate in this room or in the East Auditorium or driving down your car or in Lovington or wherever you are, I would encourage you that this can be that day. That this can be the day where you would be able to look back to all the rest of the days of your life to, yeah, it was in that square foot of real estate that I was presented with the opportunity to move from uh uh-oh to amen, both in this life and for all of eternity. And so to that end, I invite you to stand with me as um, we pray together that we would all come to or celebrate uh, an amen in that regard for our lives. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have revealed who you are in your son, Jesus Christ, that you have shown us a relationship uh, that we can have with you to trust you both in this life and frankly for all of eternity. God, for those of us who can say amen to that, uh, because that's been true of us for some time, we celebrate that, we are reminded of that, we give you thanks for that. Uh, But God, for those uh, who are in this room or in other spaces where they are hearing your word today, God, um, we know that it is only you uh, that grows hearts, that your word, it plants and waters seed here in the context of of the spoken word, but it says in your word that it's only you that grows hearts. So God, it's in prayer that we trust your Holy Spirit to grow hearts onto you this day who are maybe at an uh uh-oh at this moment would right now, God, step into an amen and they would place their faith in your one and only son to have access to you, trusting you both in this life and the next. Would you hear those prayers as they're expressed in their own words in this moment of quiet? Father, we give you thanks for, as it says in your one parable, the 99 righteous uh, who have been able to say amen. But God, we know your heart for the one, uh, the one who moved from uh uh-oh to amen this day and the celebration that uh, takes place in heaven for it both now and forevermore. We give you thanks for that ability for us all to know you both here and for all of eternity through the work of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.
here in a moment, there's gonna be some folks here in the front of this room and the front of the East Auditorium and the front of Lovington as well. If today you moved from an uh uh-oh to an amen, we don't want you to continue that journey alone. That's not the way God designed it. That's, that's what the church is really all about. As much as we're sitting here shoulder to shoulder, the design of the church was to be in relationship together that encourages our ultimate relationship with God the Father. And so if you got that relationship started, you know, in this square foot of real estate or the East Auditorium or Lovington or driving in your car, uh, call us up at the church or either way or come up here at the front of the room. Any of those rooms would be excited and honored to continue that conversation that you started with God in this moment uh, all the days of your life and frankly into all of eternity. And with that, if you have any other prayer needs in your life that we can go to God the Father with, uh, both for you or maybe a loved one that you want to pray about, we'd be honored to pray with you about that as well as we proclaim together in song and worship who it is we are in light of who God is. That uh, We're going to sing that we are who he says we are because of who we've been made in the image of God and now our children of God through the Son of God. And so as we sing about that, we invite you to come and pray uh, about any of those things here in all those spaces.